God is good in every season of our life. So, uh, we're into this series. Um, it's all about faith. And uh, this is something that we're called to be is, is a people of faith, isn't it? And so, let's, um, let's bow, bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's ask God's blessing on the word today. Thank you, Father. Father, our hearts are open. Our minds are open to receive your word today. Help us to hear this word and believe this word and with faith practice this word and put it to our feet so that it gives you glory and it turns around and just royally blesses us too as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for the word this morning. Amen. 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 We're talking about faith and I want to talk to you about tenacious faith this morning. You know, God uses people. He, and God is sovereign. He could do anything he wants. But when he wants to move, he almost every time he chooses people. God uses people. God uses broken people. Are you a broken person? Yeah. yeah. Do, do I need Jesus to, to heal me and mend me, make me whole? Yeah, I do. We're all broken people. But God uses people to do great things. And one of the reasons why we're doing this series is to challenge Challenge the way that we live. I want to challenge the tendency to, uh, to live life uh, in a rational perspective in every area. Uh, I want to challenge the tendency to make decisions that are just comfortable. Challenge the, te- the tendency to, uh, to play it safe in life. You know, right from early on, you know, we start learning how to live Rationally, to be rational. For example, you put your hand on, 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 a stove, on a stove, it gets burnt, you don't do it again, right? You get into a relationship, you get disappointed, you don't want to get into another relationship again. You step out, you do something, you get embarrassed, you don't want to do it again. So, you know, so we can live life by our, our reason, by our intellect, and as we grow up, uh, as we grow in life, we develop this thing called a rational mindset, you know? And so, literally, we can end up doing life with a rational mindset by rationale, by intellect, by reasoning. But I want to tell you, God has called us not to live by reasoning and not just by your intellect. I mean, it's good to use all that kind of stuff, too, as well. But I want to tell you, God, and this is so obvious, God has called us to live by faith. God has called every single one of us to do acts of faith. And I think it's, it's, it's time in, in, for us in, in one area or another. It's, it's to start taking risks and start making decisions that the world around you doesn't understand. You know why? Point number one. Because big things happen. Big things happen. Amen. When you act in faith. Big things happen. God has big plans for us. He's got big, bold steps for us to take in the, in the future, in the days ahead. And we want to engage in what we call acts of faith, tenacious faith. And if you study the Bible, the Bible is full of stories about people who, who acted out in faith. Just read Hebrews chapter 11, just an encapsulation. You're just a few people. But throughout the ages, throughout the centuries, there are all kinds of stories that will come forth out of history, out of the Bible, about people who simply acted out in faith. 
And so here's one, one, of the, one of the greatest stories in the Bible. It's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. It's also in, in Matthew, chapter 9. And it's, a, it's a, uh, a story that may be familiar to some of us. It goes this way. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. Can you picture that? And he preached the word to them. Some men came carrying or bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. I wonder what the homeowner thought about that. What would you think if some people got up on your roof? And dug a huge hole in it. When Jesus, and it says here, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like like this. Wow, wow. This week we're talking about faith, tenacious faith. You know, when we look at the story, you don't know much about the man on the mat, do you? But you do know that he had friends. Friends who had faith. Point number two. So important. Who you surround yourself matters. Who you surround yourself with really matters. How many of you are thankful? I mean, really thankful for the people in your life that God put into life in your journey of faith. Are you thankful for them? You know, think about this. What if this, this guy's friends told him that it's just a waste of time to get close to Jesus? What if they told him, because of the crowd, man, just give up. Just give up. What if he did that? You know what would have happened? The story would have ended very differently, wouldn't it? But because this man had friends of faith, and these friends of faith had tenacious, did acts of, did tenacious acts of faith, roof-ripping faith. Because of that, this man, and not only this man, his life and the life of his four friends were totally changed forever. Listen, what Jesus said in verse 5. He says, when Jesus saw who? Saw their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Question, how did he see their faith? 
How do you see faith, which is intangible in anyone? The answer, you see it by their works, by their action, by their deeds. James chapter 2, verse 18. Now, someone may argue, some, have, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Jesus saw their faith and the man was healed. This leads us to point three. When we show God our faith, he shows us his faithfulness. You know, lots of Christians think, well, God's going to do what he's going to do anyways. Right? But you know, if you think about the promises of God in the Bible, we literally are designed and and are ordained by God to live out this life through the promises of God. That's how we live this life. That's how we we become more like Jesus. That's how we live in the goodness and the blessings of God, by living, by understanding the promises and living in the promises of God. There are two types of promises of God in the Bible. The first type, it's on your screen. The first type, I'll just talk briefly about, is unconditional promises. Unconditional promises of God are, are, are what he's going to do despite what we do, no matter what we do. For example, he's coming back. He's coming back soon. Can you stop him? No. No. Can you alter him? No. He's coming back. Unconditional promise. I am coming back for you. I'm taking you up to heaven out of this earth, right? Another promise to God. Big promise. I promise to love you, God says. And how am I going to love you? Unconditionally. Unconditional promises of God. And then there are conditional promises of God. And I want to say that I look and I study about, and there are way too many promises to, to even study. I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing, the promises of God that he's made to us. But if I start thinking about the more obvious promises of God, I see that most of the, more of the promises are conditional than they are unconditional. Conditional promises are the ones we participate in with God. For example... Our salvation. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Thus, promise of salvation is conditional to what you believe and to what You profess, right? These are acts of faith that we engage on our part. Now, you look at the story of these four men, and they want to take up their their friend to Jesus, and it is literally blocked off. I mean, there's so many people, even outside the house, they can't even get them close. The first act of faith for these four men was to get past the crowd. The crowd. What is the crowd? The crowd stands for whatever stands between you and Jesus. Whatever stands between you and Jesus, right? I want to give you a couple of examples. For example, maybe you knew some Christians, and, and you saw them as hypocrites. And so they turned you off. Or maybe you knew some Christians, 
And they treated you unfairly. And so they held you back from coming to Christ. Now, at some point in time, you've got to let God be the judge of other people. At some point in time, you have to push back, push past what someone might have said to you or did to you in order to get close to Jesus. To get close to Jesus, you have to push back all of that that was said and done to you. Just leave all that if you want to get to him, right? No matter what has happened to your life, push past that. Even though you may feel totally justified in the way that you feel, push past that. Leave that in God's hands and get focused on getting closer to Jesus. Amen? You got to get past the crowd. The crowd can also be this. It can also be people who really don't want you to move on and move forward in your life, spiritually, in your, with your walk of God. You have opposing forces in your life right now that don't want you to progress in your faith walk with God. Do you know that? There are forces sent against them. And often the forces operate through other people, unknowingly. There are people who don't want you to get ahead. The minute you start moving forward in your life, you start going to church, and you start talking about wanting something better in your life, you know what you're going to face? The disapproval of some people. Some people are not going to approve. And that's true of just about any step that we want to take in our life to move forward. There are people who don't want you to move forward, and they'll even try to talk you out of it. You know why? Because it means that you're getting beyond them, and that makes them feel uncomfortable. They want you to stay where you are, and they're not happy about where you are going in your faith walk with God. Matthew 18, verse 8 says, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, and it was a massive crowd, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side. You see what happened there? Crowd, and what does Jesus say? Come out of the crowd. Even today, Jesus crawls, calls us out of the crowd from crowd, what I call crowd Christianity. Even today, he calls him to himself to become his disciple. I didn't hear any amens there. Amen. Yeah. I thought that was a really good point. Right? I don't, does anybody know, heard of Chris Reed? If you haven't, you will. <laughs> I mean, Chris Reed is an incredible man of God. He's an incredible prophet, very, very pre- precise, anointed man with a real strong prophetic gifting. He's a prophet of Morningstar Ministries in Charlotte, North Carolina. He is uh, also the head pastor of Morningstar. And um, no matter what you think, that's a tremendous organization, credible very honorable organization. And Chris Reed, he's a, tremendous, he's a prophet, he's a pastor, and he said these words just very recently in one of his last messages. He said, there's a counterfeit spirit, there's a counterfeit movement, a counterfeit Jesus <clears throat> being preached in some places. It's not the Jesus of Calvary, resurrection, or Pentecost. It's not the gospel that Paul preached. It looks similar It sounds similar, 
but it's counterfeit. And he goes on talking about appeals to the crowd. It's where the gospel is a mixture. It's about trying to live a spiritual, a successful spiritual life sinfully. And it's more than that. It's, it's, it's a Christianity that's comfortable, it's convenient, it's casual, it borders on the carnal, and it asks for a low level of commitment. And it's being preached a lot these days. Matthew chapter 8, verse 19 says, then, then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, this is what he said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. What was Jesus saying? You've got to get past being comfortable. You've got to be willing to make sacrifices in order to follow Jesus. Verse 21. Another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me now. Follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. We need to hear those words, don't we? I want to tell you, like Chris Reed says, God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God. He's jealous over your time that you spend. He's jealous over your hobbies. He's jealous over your self-interest. He's jealous over the true Jesus. He's jealous over the true gospel. He's jealous over the power of Holy Spirit. He's a jealous God. Amen? You've got to get past the crowd. On your, on your screen. Anyone who comes to Christ has to be willing to forsake all others for him. Or else you're not a true follower of Jesus. Mark chapter 10, 29. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters, father or mother or children or feels for me and the gospel will fail to receive twice as much. How much? Twice as much? A hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, uh, uh, children feels, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life, the grand and the greatest prize ever. Amen? Jesus said you might have to forsake some things in this life if you want to follow me. You might have to forsake your mother, your father. Even some of your friends and maybe even your family. You have to be willing. Maybe where your parents have not gone. You have to be willing where the crowd is not willing to go in order to follow Jesus. I'm not yelling at you. Just trying to make a point. And we have to be willing to accept some disapproval along the way. Amen? Hey, what are you doing on Sunday, brother? Well, I'm going to church. Didn't you go last week? Ah, let's just forget about church this Sunday. Let's just go hang out somewhere.
Let's go do coffee this afternoon. That's the crowd beginning, getting between you and Jesus. That's the crowd. Amen? These four men, unless they got past the crowd, they could not rip that roof off. You gotta get past people, disapproval, carnal, casual Christianity to get closer to Jesus. But that's so hard to do. You know, that's why it's your next step and act of faith. You know, the fact when church is such a vital important to a believer's life. You cannot live this life apart successfully from the church. I'm not saying you can't, maybe you could survive, but you can't successfully live this life without God's house, God's church. And I think about people, and, I've seen, and so many of you, we're so blessed to have you in the house. This is a low attendance weekend. Half the people are, must be away. But I want to tell you, many of you who are fairly new here, or maybe you even first time here today, but you know, God is drawing people back to his church. He loves them so much because he wants them to take care of them. And he wants to fulfill the, the, the purpose that he created them for in their life. He's a destiny, a purpose. He wants to release the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts, talents, and abilities, so that through, through us, the people, he would reach this world for Jesus Christ and, the, and fulfill the greatest purpose ever called the great commandment. Amen? The greatest commandment, to see people come to Christ. And, and I think about people who God has drawn, you know, and the fact that, you know, just for most people, coming to church for the first time is an act of faith because they don't know what lies behind those, quote, those front doors, right? They don't know what to expect. But it's an act of faith that will move that person forward in the plan of God for that person's life. Amen? So important. On your screen, an invitation is an act of faith. When you invite someone, it's an act of faith. Never underestimate the collateral effect of just one invite that's expected, that, that, that's accepted, right? You know, behind that one invitation can be a crowd of salvations. It just starts with one. That's why our vision, our, our, our vision statement is, is reaching people for Jesus, just one person at a time. Water baptism is an act of faith. We've had three weeks of water baptism. I believe there are more people that you need to get baptized, totally identified with Jesus. It's a big step forward. Big step forward. It takes courage, takes faith, takes obedience, and has huge implications in a person's life. Big things happen when you act in faith. Amen? You know, I'm, I'm preaching to you today, and I'm yelling at you, I'm prodding at you to move forward, because I want to get us going, amen? Get us going. God is preparing us for something. You know, I'm gonna, you know, someday, you know, you say, yeah, Pastor Doug, he yelled at me, and he's always challenged me. Someday in heaven, you're going to thank me, amen? You want to come up and say, thank you so much, Pastor Doug. I didn't waste my life. I fulfilled God's purpose in my life. I'm so excited to be here. I'm ready for the rewards, Lord. You set me up. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm going to tell you, every one of us, we all need constantly somebody encouraging us, 
You know, taking us, lifting us up, picking us up, taking you where you can't go, helping you along the way, showing you where to go and to get there. Amen? We need those type of people. And I'm preaching you today because I want to remind you that big things happen when you have tenacious faith. You know, if we want to see God work in our lives, we have to keep our minds open to the possibilities that seem impossible. Amen? Are there some things in your life that you're struggling, that that you want to happen that seem impossible? I say, good. Because nothing is impossible with God. With faith, everything is possible. Hebrews chapter 10, 39. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And this is not just about salvation. This applies to everything that God has for you, for every promise of God. Amen? Amen. You're going to experience setbacks, oppositions, adversity, and the writer of Hebrews says this, that we're different. We're different. We don't back down. We don't back down. We don't back down if we don't get that promotion. Or we don't back down because we missed our sales quota. Or we don't back down because we didn't get that healing yet that we're believing that we've been praying for for months. We just don't back down. We're people of faith. We we don't shrink. We don't give up. We're God's people. We're God's house. We're city light. And light always overcomes darkness. Amen? Amen. Just a quick story. And I've told it a few times. I'll tell it to you. a lot of new people here. In 2004, way back in 2004, God called Karen and I from pastoring a church in Tibbo. We were sent up 12 years before that. Started up a, a church. It was dynamic. It was growing. And God called us back to Lethbridge, to this church. It had been when we left, his numbers were, were, were almost surpassing 400 people. We're actually, I was on a leadership team, and they were looking for another place because this place is way too small. You know, we didn't believe in more than one service. We just go, thought, let's just go to find another place bigger. But we came back here in 2004 because we were asked to. And the church that had, one been, had been thriving was, was literally almost destroyed by infighting, competition, gossip. Destroys so many churches, you know, position-seeking people, critical people. And it went down to... When we got, we finally made that decision to come, it had dwindled down to less than 35 people. Wow. 35 people. And, you know, God gave us a picture of it. When we got here, we thought, wow, what has happened to this church? And it's like the devil took what was left, and he threw it in a toilet, and he hit that flush button, and it was swirling down. It was going to disappear. We we're going to totally lose everything, the property, everything. All the heritage would have been gone. And God told us, he said, I want you to reach down there, pull it up, snatch it up, and take a hold of it. You know, and that's what we did. <laughs> and I tell you, when we, you know, when we did that, wow, we did not realize the difficulties we were going to have. We were young, we were not, ah, we can, we can build it up again. Wow. We had opposition from within, opposition from without. There was stuff happening. We had debts. Uh, we had all kinds of negative things that we had to face. We'd sort of get ahead and we'd get, we'd get pushed back. 
But you know what? Over all these years, we did not shrink back. Amen? And today, I'm so thankful today for what God has done. Many people have been connected to Christ. So many lives over the years have been changed. But listen, we're not done yet. We're not done done yet because the best days are ahead of us. And, And can I prophesy a word to you? The best days for your life are ahead of you. You ain't seen nothing yet if you have tenacious faith. Believe God. Amen? Amen. Amen. You should have been shouting. (laughs) Yeah, you should have been. But I I need to ask this. If you're a short-term person, if you're a um, short-sighted, short-term, immediate results type person, that will hinder your faith. Because faith results often take a lot of time. They don't always happen immediately. Amen? Here's an example We've got many families, young families here. And many of you are raising families with a lot of kids, or some kids. And maybe there's one in your, in, in your crew and your kids, one of them, one of them is kind of wild, and, 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 and at times uncontrollable. And you start thinking about him, and, and, and you say, you know what? <laughs> that kid, when he grows up, he could go off the rails. You know, he could get in trouble. He could end up in prison. You know, and you, you can think that. And all those years going, you, you can worry about him. You can fret. You know, you can get discouraged. You know, you can do all that. Or you can do something else. You can pray. You can do acts of faith. You can, every day, you can pray. Every day, you can speak God's word, God's will, God's plan, over the life of that child. Amen? Every day you can do that. And you can look that child in the eye and just speak God's will over their life. And if they're already gone and grown up and they're somewhere else and they're, they're just AWOL with God, you can still do that. Your power, your prayers are far reaching in power and in distance because there's a, such a heart connection. Amen? You know what I'm trying to say? God hears your prayers. You know, as pastors... All these years, Karen and I, we've seen kids, you know, uh, families grow up, and some kids, we wonder, wow, you know, how are they going to turn out? You know, we've seen these little kids, they become, kids become teenagers, <clears throat> teenagers become adults, and then they get married, and then they have the kids, and now, you know, they're re- now they're raising godly kids, and they're bringing them to church, and they're serving God, and God is blessing them. And I specifically remember this one Single, this mom, single mom, she had this toddler. Man, this kid was out of control, wild all the time. And uh, we just wondered, like, how is this kid going to turn out? You know, I want to tell you, right now, he's, he's, you know, he, he's mild-mannered. Uh, he's into his last years of high school, and he's a, he's a star athlete, and he loves the church. He loves the church. You know, it's amazing what God can do, right? And that's what happens when you do acts of faith, when as a family you bring your family consistently to the house of God. That's what happens. You know, when, when other families, other families in society or in the world are getting all messed up, when other families, you know, are, are getting all broken up by 
abuse and addictions and with, uh, with kids that are struggling with gender issues. You know, it's the families of faith that stand their ground and stand on the promises of God. They're thriving. They're experiencing the goodness of God in their life today. They're experiencing the favor and the goodness of God. And they're seeing God turn things around even years later. They're seeing God do miracles in the life and their life and the lives of their families because they did not back down because they stood on the word of God. They did not give up. Amen. You know that that point I made there. When we show God our faith, He shows us His faithfulness back to us. Amen. God is such a good God. Finishing up this this story of the four men. You know, I thought about it as a parent in this message. This is such a great picture and metaphor of the church, of our church, right? You know, here it is on your, power, on your screen. It's a picture of relationships. It's a picture of small groups and friendships for life. You see that? Four men? It's a picture of unity. People, be of, they're all one heart, one mind, one purpose, and such unity that it commands the blessing of God. It released the commanded blessing of God over their lives. It's a picture of hope. The story is a picture of hope. Faith and hope open up the doors of possibility in our lives. It's a picture of love. Love that's willing to go the extra mile. The love that never fails. The love that never deserts you as a friend. The never, love that never betrays you. It's a picture of purpose. And that purpose is to bring people to Jesus Christ. No matter what the cost, even one person at a time. And of course, it's a picture of faith. Roof-ripping faith. Tenacious faith. A faith that does not give up, no matter what's in front of them. No matter what the impossibilities seem to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. The moral of this story, many morals... I'll give you one, one more. It's normal that the crowd is in the way. It's normal that the roof is in the way. It's not faith if you're not experiencing some opposition. Yeah. Amen? Ooh, Lord, right. If you're not meeting, meeting some resistance. So realize this. When you take a step of faith, whether it's inviting a person or you're the, it's, or you're the person being invited, when you take a step of faith, when you, make, when you want to make a new, be, when you're getting a new beginning, make a new, new beginning, or when you're getting water baptized, or when you're joining a small group, or when you're just believing God for that miracle of healing in your body, or believing God for that, for that breakthrough financially, no matter what it is, or just believing God for that prodigal son or that prodigal daughter who's gone off the rails is into, and is connected with the wrong people and doing stuff that will destroy their life. When you, it's just believing for that daughter, for that child to come back to God. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is you're believing for, right? Whatever it is, when God says, have tenacious faith, have, then if, when God says that to you and he's saying it to you now, then be willing to move past whatever is in front between you and Jesus whether it's disappointments, whether it's doubt, whatever it is, move past it. Whether it's casual Christianity, move past that obstacle. Amen? Believe God. Rip 
off the roof and see what God will do. Let's give God a thank offering. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. We declare the goodness of God in the land of the living right now over our families, over our children, over our businesses, over our lives, over our destiny, over this church. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Bow your heads. Thank you, Father. question is, what's your next step? What act of faith is God asking you to make to get closer to Jesus? If you believe in Jesus and if you profess Him, then you will be saved. Today, if you haven't done this, you can make the greatest decision that you have ever made. It's a decision of a lifetime. It's the greatest decision and it's the decision you make when you invite Jesus into your heart. And I tell you, when you do that, you will never be the same. You can make that decision right now. If that's you, you want to invite Christ into your heart, will you re- repeat these words after me? And you can whisper these words to Jesus and I tell you, He hears every word. Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe in you. I believe what you did on the cross. And I receive you into my heart today. Come into my heart. Be Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.